Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hi everyone, Jake Willers here. I'd just like to apologize for the lack of content over the last couple of months. As many of you may be aware, I broke my leg while filming Elk at the beginning of March, and I now have a nice shiny titanium rod through my lower leg to show for it. Uh, This has set me back somewhat, but I'm happy now to be getting things back on track with this episode. Also, I just wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page, where if you enjoy the show and want to help keep it going, you can donate towards the expenses. Yes, unfortunately, there are expenses creating the show and getting it distributed, so anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. And we're working on some rewards for the donors, so please check it out at patreon.com forward slash Jake Willers. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Jake Willers, J-A-K-E-W-I-L-L-E-R-S. So without further ado, let's get on with this month's episode. You're listening to the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast, episode 16. Alex Jones is one of the few blue-chip wildlife cinematographers based in Southern California. Alex is a four-time nominee and Pandora Award winner of the world-renowned Wild Screen Film Festival in the UK and the Wild and Scenic Film Festival in Nevada City in the USA. Alex specializes in topside animal behavior and macro wildlife cinematography. He's worked on multiple TV shows, films and commercials in Los Angeles as director of photography, and in addition, Alex produces his own blue-chip wildlife films. His client list includes the BBC Natural History Unit, Nat Geo Wild, National Geographic Channel, Discovery, BBC Earth and The Curiosity Stream. Alex is a skilled wildlife cinematographer with an adventurous spirit, an inquisitive mind, and a passion for cinematic wildlife content. Alex, thanks so much for taking your time out your day at the Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival to spend some time on the podcast. Uh, how's it going for you? What, what are you here for at the, at the film festival? Um, honestly, I'm, I'm here to uh, get together with old friends and uh, meet new people. Um, what's really important to me is is you know making my name in the industry, which is, you know, macro um, filmmaking and, and long lens work. And honestly, uh, this is probably the, one of the top best film festivals ever. Um, everyone's so cool and, and willing to t- talk to anyone. So it's, it's really a great, great film festival. I'm having an awesome time. It's, it's so nice when you come to this is actually my first year here I've been meaning to come for 10 years and it is I mean this and wild screen are the two paramount uh, wildlife film festivals but it's like uh, even just the first time and being here and meeting lots of old friends but even the new people you meet it's just like a big family right I was saying to Chris Morgan who I was talking to earlier he was talking about how excited he gets when he picks up bear scat and I said there's only a few groups of people in the world you could talk to about picking up a scat uh, actually that that's it's, it's really <laughs> funny because um, um, I, I was just in a meeting uh, about two hours ago, 
And in the middle of the meeting, I stopped and said, oh my God, look at this. And it was basically a wasp uh, larva inside the plant. And I thought it was like, so cool. And we were both looking at it in the middle of this meeting, you know, it's, it's, I thought it was really funny. Fantastic. Well, but this is the type of group of people you can do that with. Exactly. Right? You can just stop a meeting right. and say, hey, look yeah. at this. And this everyone is, cool. is so like-minded, you know, yeah. everyone's trying to do the exact same thing, whether, whether it's, you know, conservation or um, high-end you know, blue chip um, or, or whatever that is, we're all looking to get the best quality. Um, we're all artists and filmmakers, storytellers, and um, also love the natural world. And I think that, you know, that this is why we're all here. So. Now let's talk a bit about um, a film that I, I first got to know you online through a film you did called The Prey, about a praying mantis. Tell me a bit about how that came about. You know, what was your inspiration for doing that? And, uh, and then where did that film lead you to? So The Prey is really weird because um, it actually formed off of one shot idea that I had. Um, I honestly was just, I came back from wild screen 2014 and um, I thought of this, it, this praying mantis shot that I thought would be really cool. It just wouldn't get out of my head, which was a 16 millimeter wide shot, pushing in and going into a 100 millimeter um, macro shot and figuring out how to do that. I've been, you know, you know I was yeah, that's, brain over. that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I figured it out. And you know, what's, what's interesting is I always say the same thing. With, ins with wildlife, you're kind of subjected to, to their behavior, right? With insects, anything that you can dream up, you can make happen. That's what's so cool. And, and even if it's on a set or uh, like a studio or something like that, no one really cares because everyone kind of is already in a, such a different universe already, right? Um, so as far as, far as the prey goes, um, you know, I, I really was thinking about this shot and eventually I storyboarded it out and then I started thinking about another interesting shot um, and another interesting shot until eventually it became the movie that you know now. Obviously it took a lot more preparation than what I'm saying, but the initial idea of it was just based off of a shot. And I actually made it for wild screen for 2016 because I really wanted people to see what I can do, how hard I can push my limits and how I can make a cinematic movie. Um, and that's what I'm, you know, that's what I love is making really high and big epic stuff. It just like really gets to my heart. Well, and, and it's phenomenal. I mean, you did a great job with it. Mm. You're using high end gear. Yeah. You're using great moves. You're telling a story visually, yeah. which is what it's all about. And you're good at doing that. Thank so you. what did, um, what was the reaction to it at Wildscreen? Yeah, people liked it a lot. Um, I, I think every time I uh, speak to someone about the prey, um, they, they always have a uh, a reaction of wow that's very different you know um i i've never gotten a negative reaction of, from it so that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> that's always a good thing um and you know and i and i plan on improving that you know it's obviously not a not um completely perfect and by any means but it's a step to get to even bigger uh, plans for the future you know. You're a man after my own heart with, um, you know, focusing on insects. That's mm -hmm. how I got my start in the industry. Yeah. We're both and bug people. Absolutely, yeah. And, there's, the, the, you know, I find nothing greater than trying to, you know, show people why insects are so fascinating and why mm -hmm. they're so important to the ecology of okay. the earth. You know, that, that's really important stuff. So right. So why is that a focus for you? So, okay, so I, I, was, I just wanted to stop you almost because I, I just... 
the instant I start thinking about it. I can it, see you welling up. Yeah, <laughs> the instant I start thinking about it, I just get so excited. So I love movies, right? Like 1980s movies are my favorite, like Indiana Jones, Goonies, all that kind of stuff, Jurassic Park, right? And uh, when you watch a movie, you get so involved into this different world. And with insects, it's like, it's the same thing. You know, you're, you're going into a different alien world and everything is so dramatic. I mean, even a blade of grass is like as tall as a, of a, a tree for a beetle or something like that. And just like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know, your backyard is a complete jungle. And I love that. I completely love that. I constantly think about that and how, how different and alien their world is. I love the fact you're so unbelievably passionate about that because yeah. what you've done is you've found. So I don't real... mean to be like too much, but no, 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 no. I can't really get That's into fantastic, it. right? Because yeah. you've found um, a niche that you, you know, that inspires you so much to really think about it like that. Mm -hmm. So you know, you you have sleepless nights, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, laying there thinking about how you're going to make a shot and how you're going to you know imitate kind of a movie scene, but with insects to inspire people, and yeah. that that's phenomenal. So. Um, what is your primary focus now in terms of um, filmmaking? And I, I've seen uh, you're doing a lot of social media. You're doing stuff on camera, kind of yeah. hosting stuff in the moment, you know, with your cell phone, um, posting that to social media. Where is your, where's your focus? My focus, honestly, is, is not really hosting. My, my, my focus is creating blue chip uh, wildlife documentaries, whether it's insects or mammals and birds and stuff. So that's what I'm doing is really trying to build uh, my business and expand it. Um, and keep making bigger blue chip stuff. Um, my ultimate goal is to really be uh, making high end stuff for television, you know, and uh, and hopefully even eventually for movie theaters. Um, but I know that's a different uh, space as well. But I, I just want to make sure that you know that in my five year plan from now or something, I'm creating, producing, and shooting high end blue chip stuff that people just go wow to that's that's my point well that's great because you you've got a absolute specific goal in mind mm -hmm. and you're heading towards that and you're doing constantly thinking about it every day right every and day. so you're positioning yourself and coming to the festivals going to wild screen doing stuff like that that's where it's happening yeah these are the people you've got to meet this is the advice i give people all the time mm -hmm. come here go to the international wildlife film festival wild screen any of the wildlife film festivals that, that's where you're going to network and find right. the people so um a big question that people yes. always ask me is how are you funding what you're doing do you self-fund it do you are you looking to get money in to do your work it depends on the situation so um you know at the end of the day this is all a business um and you have to make money um unless unless you just want it to be a passion um thing uh even though it's passion you need to make money so depending on the situation you can put your money into a film and um go through acquisitions and you know meaning get it sold uh to a network or whatever that's a good way to go a lot of people do that um and but what I I do um, is get the shows commissioned. I have one show that I got acquired from Curiosity Stream. Called, well, it was The Prey. Um, but most of the time, you know, I'm I'm really concentrating on on getting shows commissioned um, because you know it it really makes your your life easier um, to do that. Well, and it's you know it's. It should be said that, you know, when, when you have a passion and, you know, as intense as yours is, you know, where you, you want to go do this stuff, really, you know, we have to put ourselves down. We have to spend a lot of time, our own time, our own effort making right. this stuff right. because, it, you know, I've met people in the past that sadly think that, 
because they're interested and they come to somewhere like this, someone's just going to give them a job. Right. Right. It's not going to happen. It just doesn't work like that. You have to put yourself out. And it'll probably take you years of doing a lot of hard work and spending a lot of your own money before you get recognized or even, you know, if you ever get recognized, right? And what's important too is to always have that goal, you know. Um, have a have a goal to set, know it and refine it and keep shooting for it. You know, there's every I'm sure you felt the same way at one point where I think every wildlife filmmaker felt this way at one point where before they're actually working in the industry, they are trying so hard because everyone tries really hard, you know, and then you go through a lot of these downtimes, right? And sometimes you just feel like whatever you're doing just is not working. So, you know, am I right for the industry? Does the industry even want me? You know, and and I am I actually doing the right thing? Am I being stupid? You know, um, we've all been there. We've yeah. all been there. So, you know, I, I think what helped me really was to taking control over your own life and um, being smart about how to sustain yourself, um, your motivation as well as your wallet. You know. You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I, I actually do a lot of different things based on, uh, you know, the ebb and flow of the work. Mm -hmm. And so not only do I do the wildlife side of things, but I also work for a lot of the news networks. Yeah. And so I'll work for Vice on HBO and I'll go and do a day's work for them and that'll bring in money that then helps me move forward with passion projects. Right. And so I think it's really important to mm -hmm. know that there's ways of doing that. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go and wait tables or do something that's no. so far removed. No. You could just find creative ways of doing what you love exactly and earning money from it right and, um, and everything I, that you do um, if you really really are passionate about this and you really want to get in this industry you got to work on this 24 hours a day every day you got to wake up breathe it and you know you go to sleep thinking about it um, and it will come you know it, it happens as long as you are smart about it well, I think those hard times are there, you know, doesn't matter what industry you're in, mm -hmm. those hard times are there to really weed out the people who really have the passion. Mm. Because if everyone... I, if wouldn't it came say, I wouldn't say weed out, I would say build people up, you know, because weed out is kind of a negative, kind of, it's a negative way to say it, because everyone has the ability to do what they want to do. They just need to put their ass in gear. <laughs> right. They've, they've got to have enough drive and yeah, enough passion and I, to see it through. And, and, you know, look, these people who are here, whether it's a volunteer or someone uh, like uh, that's higher up in the industry, you know, they're all passionate about that. Otherwise, they're not, they wouldn't be here, you know. So it's not like, you know, I wouldn't say weeding out. I would say really building up because everyone is trying to do something and something that they're passionate about and they want their voice to be heard. Absolutely. So let's talk a bit about um, your gear. Sure. I know you you have a RED camera, and I think you're on the upgrade path with the RED cameras. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. So um, talk first of all a bit, like when you started, what did you have, and, and where are you now? Um, so when I started, I had, like when I first started completely, I had the DVX-100A. That was when I, with tape, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after that, I went to the HPX-170, um, then I went to a 60D, which is actually the camera that I used to shoot elephant seals, California's coast, which got an award at uh, Panda Award. Awesome. At Congratulations. Thanks. And um, then I went from a DSLR, jumped up to red, uh, to the Scarlet. And I, you know what's funny? I wasn't actually a fan of the Scarlet. Um, it just didn't look that amazing to me. So I decided to go up to the Epic. 
and that's what changed the game. I've had that camera for about s almost a whole run for the Epics, and um, I wasn't going to upgrade to the Helium, um, but I did, you know, and now I'm now I'm super excited. It's because because 8K on Insects, woof. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. You can you can punch in there. You've suddenly got yourself another macro on top of the macro you're using, right? I I did it, some tests on online, right? I took an R3D um, off of Red Site, um, and if you're listening, you could actually you could do the same e really easily. Put it into Premiere or Final Cut, scale that puppy up to 400%, and you still can't see any pixelation. Wow. Or noise. Yeah. It's crazy. That's 400%. Yeah. And it's still sharp and beautiful. So that means with macro, you can get like three shots in one, right? Absolutely. Especially yeah, yeah. you know even if you're moving too, you can get. All these kinds of angles, so it's it's pretty exciting stuff. It's going to do a lot. So so uh, in terms of lenses you're putting on there for your macro lens, what are you using for the macro stuff? Yep. Um, I'm using the 100 millimeter uh, L series Canon. Um, I'm also using the 65 MPE. Uh, Great lens, is, yeah, one of the, the diehard macro lenses. Yeah, yep. it's actually only for macro. Um, and uh, I also use ex extensions, t extension tubes. Um, also, something that I'm I'm a really big fan of uh, is wide angle macro. So what I did was I, I took a GoPro and I've, I broke the lens um, to be able to uh, get wide-angle macro shots. Um, and it's actually a lot easier said than, than you think it might be, breaking a GoPro. Right. But um, Better that than the Epic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, and, and uh, if you're a macro person, um, all you have to do is, is take some type of spacer and put it in between the, the sensor and, the, and a wide-angle lens. And the farther out you, you push the wide-angle lens, uh, the more wide-angle macro you can get. It only goes so much, though, because then you're going to be focusing on dust inside the glass or something. But if you do it just right, you can actually get some really interesting wide-angle macro stuff. Fantastic. So is yeah. it MacGyvering a, a macro? Yeah, macro is all MacGyvering. Yeah, yeah. Well, wildlife filmmaking is all MacGyvering. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's, what's, that's what interests me so much, is yeah. that uh, being out and uh, doing professional work and seeing other professionals in the field, mm -hmm. you always need that roll of tape. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That uh -huh. roll of tape to strap something on exactly. the camera. Exactly. Duct tape or, yeah. or, or, or gaff tape. Or gaff tape. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I actually yeah. use duct tape a lot. Right. It's, um, good. it's cheaper. It's, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's stronger, but you know, they both have their both have their advantages. Absolutely. Yeah. So, where what are you doing now? What, um, have you got any ideas for? Are you working on films at the moment? Yeah. Are you looking to do more in the future? What's happening? Right. So right now, I'm working on uh, two shows um, that I've got commissioned. One on insects for Curiosity Stream, and the other, uh, um, you know, I don't know when this is going to come out, but I just don't really want to talk about it right now, because um, it just happened and all that stuff. So. Second one is pretty big, epic stuff, um, not on insects, and um, so that's what I'm working on for the next year, um, basically. But what's interesting is, you know, I'm going to be busy for the next year, um, and I'm I am in the middle of it right now. Um, I'm still looking for ways to get something for the following years. You know, um, I have a few ideas uh, that I think are going to be really cool, um, and I'm also talking with some people here at Jackson Hole about. Uh, projects that they're working on like features and stuff so that's pretty cool well you know what's interesting about this industry is that uh e even the pros the guys who are at the top who have kind of made it they're regulars 
filming for National Geographic, the BBC. Mm -hmm. Even those guys are searching for work year in, year out. You know, mm -hmm. it's not one of those industries where it's just rolling in. Yeah. You know, you still have to be coming to these events and networking and meeting the, your your clients and, and, you know, making deals. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's, it's that's not a nine, it's not a nine to five job, that's for sure. Right, right. You know, like your nine to five job, what you do is you have these steps that you take. So you go, you go in for the work, you do the work, and uh, two years down the line, you get bumped up to something else uh, that's you know, paid more, right? Here, um, what you put in is what you get out, you know? Well, not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Sometimes but, you get put a lot in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, but, but that's really the reason behind networking. This right. is, you know, you can put a lot in mm -hmm. and be one of the best filmmakers there is in the world, mm -hmm. but unless you go and meet the right people, nothing's going to happen. Exactly. That's that's the reality of it, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's why um, you know places like this are incredible. I mean, we, you know, you get the chance. I met a guy the other day. We, we did a podcast episode. Patrick Dykstra. Okay. He's a fantastic guy. You know, he went, followed his passion, jumped in the water with blue whales. The BBC saw it. They contacted him. His clips are now in Planet Earth too. Awesome. That guy had never done any broadcast stuff. Wow. Before in his life. That's incredible. And so and now he's working with them. Great. And that all happened within less than a two-year period. Wow. So it just shows the power of what can happen when you 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 know you're meeting the right people and putting yeah. yourself out there. Definitely. That is so cool. I want to meet this guy now. I, I want to hear his story. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. <laughs> so um, if you had advice for people wanting to get into working with insects, because that's that's your your primary thing, that's where yeah. your passion lies. Yeah. What advice are you going to give to people who, you know, maybe can't afford a red, maybe can't afford Canon L series lenses because they're expensive? Mm -hmm. You know, w where should people start? Because you can find an insect wherever you are. I don't care where you live. Maybe not if you live in Antarctica. Yeah. But what advice have you got for them? Um, I know it sounds like really cliche, but honestly, if you have a camera, just shoot it. I mean. There are so many ways. Okay, so here's a tip. Um, if you really want to get into macro, uh, then you can take a DSLR. Um, and, you know, you can even get a cheap DSLR. They sell DSLRs for like $200 on eBay. Um, so get a DSLR, get a kit lens, uh, and reverse the lens so the front of the glass is actually facing the sensor. And that's a good way to actually um, start macro work. Um, but again, if you're really interested in macro, you got to MacGyver stuff and you know figure that out. If you have a camera, go and shoot. That's that's the whole point of why we're in this industry. So, um, you know, even an iPhone. They had some iPhone classes at Wild Screen. Do you remember that? There was some iPhone wildlife filmmaking. Classes. I don't. I had no. Okay. I wasn't there, but I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that you can make a blue chip off of it, but you know, there's um, there's always a way to shoot something, and well, that's what's really important. You got to keep shooting. And Hollywood movies have been filmed on an iPhone. iPhone six. That film Tangerine came out. There was a cinema released. Uh, film oh uh, I did hear about that yeah. yeah so you know it's possible and the thing is it always comes back to this thing that it's about story and content yeah, yeah. you know I was talking to someone else about this the other day if you capture behavior mm -hmm. animal behavior on on camera it really doesn't matter to some degree what the camera is if it's unique behavior then broadcasters will want it yeah right and, and you know you know what's interesting too is um, the audience is very forgiving with picture okay when it comes to sound the audience really is not forgiving at all. So um, that's why when you see movies that have GoPros or you know lower iPhones and stuff, you some a lot of times you say wow because they've put a lot of emphasis on the sound design, you know, and, and made sure that the sound quality was good. 
Um, so I would also say if you have a crappy camera or if you just want to make your the quality of your films better, make sure you get that sound in there. And I'm talking about every sound. If there's a burrowing owl and it's running along the floor, yeah, you're not going to get that sound on location, but do it in post. Get that foley in there, you know, and really f make the audience feel like they're a part of the world. That's yeah, it's a very, very important advice right there because mm -hmm. it's so true. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people skip out on that. They do. And I think this is one of the things with buying cameras, right? People mm -hmm. get this gear envy thing. They go out and they buy a camera they see someone else using. Mm -hmm. They start filming and they wonder why their stuff isn't up to par. Yeah. And it's because they didn't buy a microphone. And yeah. they're using the in-camera mic. Right. Or, or, they, you know, or they didn't film in first light. Right, exactly, exactly. So yeah. now, uh, speaking of like, what? How important is light? Oh my God, it's the most important to macro macro filmmaking. Well, light to macro is actually the most important because it requires a lot of light. You need to stop your f-stop down to like f16, f20 even, which is really dark. And you know, even if you have extension tubes on, you're losing two or three or four stops of light. So you need a crap ton of light. I mean, I'm talking a lot. And and on top of that, you don't just need a lot of light to light the thing. You need to make it look pretty. Um, a lot of heavy backlighting and stuff. So it's it's extremely important to me. If you want high quality stuff, yeah, lighting's. I mean, I'm light is always on my mind. Um, when, while I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm looking at the the harsh light coming down, hitting the side of your face, and and the shadow on the right side of your face. And and this is the kind of mindset that I think every cinematographer has. You know, absolutely. You have to have a really strong desire to love light. Well, I think anyone knows who's ever taken a picture mm -hmm. that if you stand in the wrong way to the light and you take a picture with a phone or a camera, it yeah. can just look terrible or right. it can look great. Yeah, but iPhone, and for some reason, whenever you take a phone, uh, portrait of an iPhone, uh, for, at least for me, I can never take a good shot. Right. <laughs> no matter, even Stick to the macro photography. Yeah, I'll just do that. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, it's really important. I think that's another reason why it's so good to do it in a studio setting. And yeah. um, because that way you can manipulate the light. If you're out, outside, one of the biggest issues I found, obviously, if you're using sunlight, is once you get in close enough with those lenses, a lot of the time you're blocking the sun out. Exactly. You're, you're causing shadows problems. and yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's so important. I used to actually have uh, one of the first... Um, uh, theaters we actually I called it bug theater <laughs> and I built it and it was uh, used in our first series insects from hell on National Geographic awesome and I built it just out of plywood painted it uh, blackboard black mm -hmm. with blackboard paint and uh, we filled it with you know uh, soil and all the things we needed to make it look rainforesty and, and that's what we used yeah and, and of course as we were saying earlier that's acceptable with insects uh -huh. um, you know I don't think it's uh, it's a big deal but um, well the reason you know why is because because of the because of the sun shifting, also because of the wind. Wind is always a huge problem with macro. You know, you have a little bit of breeze and it can completely destroy the shot. When you're that tight on an insect, um, moving the camera at one to one ratio, even five to one, if you move the camera uh, two millimeters, you completely uh, re-orchestrated the, the composition of the shot. So it's very precise. But studio work is actually I'm sure you know, studio work is an art form in itself. You know, it takes a lot of patience. Absolutely, and I see you have a tattoo yeah. that says patience on your arm, I on do. your inner forearm. Uh -huh. And I can only imagine that's there because you do macro photography. <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, you might think it's a little weird, but it's fine. I, um, I actually got it because I'm so passionate about wildlife filmmaking. And um, it means, for some reason, I don't even know why this is, but for some reason that word mean, means wildlife filmmaking to me. I don't know why. 
but well, that's because how it, it because most of the time it takes a, a huge amount of patience it does. To, to, to do yeah and um, I think, well, you know, we're seeing different things nowadays. You know, there's lots of reality-based shows. And I think, you know, we're, certainly we were being pushed there with a lot of the stuff that we were doing to make cheaper shows. Yeah. And those shows are run and gun there. Bang, here's something. Look at this. It's great. Move it's on. to do it. You know, yeah. and so, yeah. And so, you know, patience became kind of got left behind with that. But right. to make real wildlife blue chip. Certainly, uh, wildlife shows. It takes a lot of patience. You only have to Definitely. go and talk to some of the guys who have sat for months in a in a hide, mm -hmm. you know, waiting to film snow leopards to find that out. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you're you're making some stuff for Curiosity Stream. H how do you go about? If someone wants to, if they've got the gear, they're filming stuff and they're making some great content. How do they go about getting deals uh, with with people like Curiosity Stream or or maybe you know, do, how, like, how would I go about doing that? Yeah, how would you do it? How, what advice would you give to people oh. who who maybe want to do that? I just um, uh, approach them. I, I just approach them and I said I have an idea and I think you know I would I would really like to see what you guys think about it. That's pretty much it. I don't and that was before you had filmed anything. It was just your idea and they yes. were interested. Yes, but I mean, look, you're not gonna you can't go up to someone and say, hey, I have an idea. What do you think? Can you give me money? It's not like that. You have to really plan out a budget, um, plan out the this, the concept, and put that on paper, make it look really pretty, and get their interest. Um, I mean, if they're going to invest money into your project and build a relationship with you, you got to give them something in the first place. You can't just assume that they're going to give you something so you can go do what you want. You know, so it's it's really about building a relationship. It's not you know, so you really have to put a lot of work and effort into a pitch before you before you pitch it. And of course, it gets easier once you've actually had work out there and people can see the quality of your work. And I think it goes without saying that um, you know, quality. If you're looking to get that kind of work, mm -hmm. do the best you can. Yes. Don't cut corners. That's the whole patience thing again, mm -hmm. right? If you rush stuff and it goes wrong, mm -hmm. no one wants to see that, mm -hmm. right? If you're trying to sell stuff, it's every important. single time, no matter. What it is, whether it's for my company or if I'm working for Nat Geo, for example, um, what will happen is I put so much effort into it that it becomes physically um, and mentally draining, um, and I, I get to the point where it it really runs your life. You know, you really got to put a thousand percent, even if it's not your pro your your show. It still kind of is because if you're a camera person, your ideas are putting are being put into that sequence and you want to make sure you're you're making the best out of yourself you know if you just slack off a little bit and be like oh i got the job so i can just you know i'll do shoot this shot here shoot this shot here and go get a beer afterwards it doesn't work like that <laughs> you know that's right but i'm sure everyone think, uh, would agree with me you absolutely know? I, I don't yeah, yeah. i don't know anyone who would actually say oh well I disagree. I think that's dumb. You know, I, I don't know. No, I, I think it goes without saying again that um, most people in this industry put in far more time for the money they're paid yeah. than, you know, really if you were to, to tier the money you get paid from a contract down to an hourly rate, yeah. you're probably getting paid a minimum wage there at some point, yeah, at you some know, point. with the amount of time you've put in. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, Whether it you catches know, up with you or, or you, what. That's you know? right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it catches up with you, right? yeah. and you and you get to a point, but, but it's a passion industry. Yeah. And that's the thing and there's you know there's a level you can get to and you can earn a good living but uh, again it's one of those things where you've got to keep keep the momentum mm -hmm. keep the momentum and also too i think what's really important is you know some people everyone's very different right but some people are just okay with how life is in the moment um but for me i'm kind of i'm never really like that um i've always got to be 
doing more. If I, when I'm when I'm going to be making my my TV shows in the future, um, I'm going to be wanting to do bigger TV shows and bigger TV shows and s stuff that really gets people going, you know. And eventually, I'm going to when I do my movies for theaters, I'm going to want to do something even bigger, you know. And it's just never going to stop. And I but that's the drive that makes makes me tick. Fantastic. So social media, mm -hmm. you um, how important is social media for you? Keeping an audience. Uh, pretty important I mean it's it's it it's such a big deal to have a big following nowadays I'm not good at it at all I don't know a look about it um, and I try but it's just not my not my world you know um, but it is very important I think we're finding that here. There's been a lot of uh, panels talking about social media because I think because of the type of industry we are and we're so passionate about getting you know, our, our creativity put in the places where it needs to be and, and how it has been in the past, yeah. that it's kind of like, okay, there, here's this, we're, we're suddenly getting tripped up. We need to catch up here. Yeah. And, um, and so even the biggies like BBC are, are now pulling that into their marketing campaigns well, with the also, bigger, bigger shows. Sorry to cut you off, but also the... Um all of these companies are really thinking heavy on on social media and I mean Nat Geo Wild right now you know how much how big they're booming right now on, on the internet it's incredible it's hundreds of millions it's it's insane and good on them because you know it's uh, it, it's a they figured it out you know and people have been trying to figure out social media for a long time and and get proper budgets for it and they figured it out yeah, well, which great. is great, and they, you know, of course, they have a big team. You know, they've got a lot of people working on that. Yeah, um, and, and that's possible. But when you're on your own and you're starting out, it's it's a case of trying to incorporate it. I mean, we're all struggling with that. I struggle with yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Uh, Chris Morgan, who I was talking to earlier, he's struggling with that. You know, and it, yeah. it's, it's one of those things now. That's why what you got to do is you got to have someone else do it for you. Yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> and then that's you right. don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, awesome. If you one last thing, if you if you're going to give any more advice, right? Another piece of advice, just in general, about getting into the industry for anyone trying to, you know, is just not quite there, and they're like, okay, I want to do this, but it's a struggle. What should they do? I think if I was going to give any advice for wildlife filmmaking, is again keeping that patience there, keeping that um, the passion there, and if you're good at what you do and you completely believe in it. 100% then it will come um, refine the craft and it will get frustrating a lot of times but that's just the journey to be successful I'm not successful yet I'm not saying that but it does take a lot of fails fails to look back on and refine from there and keep going because eventually something will happen if you're if you're passionate enough there's no if you're really passionate about enough um, about about what you want to do, then there doesn't make any sense in the universe for it to not work out for you, if that makes sense. Uh, totally. And I think it's um, failures are uh, one of the greatest learning experiences, right? If you uh, if you didn't fail, you wouldn't you know wouldn't be the steep learning curve there, or or the exponential curve that happens after failure. Because yeah. once you plod on and you you persevere, then um, you know those things can be the greatest things to move you forward. So. Well, um, there are actually a lot of uh, very successful um, people. I don't know uh, what, what's his what's his name. Uh, Tony Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. So, with Tony Robbins' story is um, right before he hit success, he was he took about a year off um, of his life because he just he was like really far down, 
And for some reason, even Stephen Hawking was the same way, I believe Stephen Hawking. For some reason, right before someone hits success, they go through a, a huge low um, and nothing seems to be working out. And if you keep going after that, if you keep going on something, then it shoots up. And that's exactly what happens to everyone who has changed the world, um, who has become successful um, in what they want to do. I thought that was a pretty cool story that Tony Robbins had. Um, Absolutely, and I, I think it's part of building momentum. Yeah. You build that momentum and you build and it gets tiring and you get worn out and you get frustrated right. and then you have a big down because you're just like, why isn't this working? Yeah. But what happens is all that work and effort that you've put in comes back and starts paying off in dividends. Right. And then you got to keep maintaining it. And right? then you got to maintain it. That's yeah. right. You can't stop there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Tony Robbins is a great example because obviously look at the work, look at the effort he puts in now uh, just to keep building his brand and, and, and inspiring people. Yeah. Well, Alex, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on here and um, uh, great advice. And, uh, you know, keep making those macro films because it's a real nice niche, niche area. And um, I think, you know, that's, that's going to take you far. Sure. Thank you. I, I you know, I, I hope I was enough but i you know I, I don't really think i can give that much advice just because i'm i'm still trying to go somewhere myself but you know but that's that's what this is all about and it's about people um you know the people at the top and it's about people who are working in and getting through and doing you know the day-to-day -day grind to make something of themselves yeah. and you're inspiring others because you're doing that and you're putting films out there and you're trying different avenues to make it work and um and it is working and uh, the more you do, the better it's going to get. So uh, all yeah. the best in the future. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks man. Appreciate it. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast, then please leave a rating and a comment. And remember to subscribe to keep up to date with the series. You can find out more information on wildlife filmmaking at masterwildlifefilmmaking.com, where you'll find valuable free resources like downloadable reports and video tutorials. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.